Project A Podcast. Hello everyone, this is Raul Porogen from Project A. Welcome to our podcast. I have today with me Michael, a friend of mine that I used to work with. I am really excited about this podcast because I highly appreciate his input uh, on a couple of very specific topics. And he's just overall a cool guy, uh, which you will get to know in a second. Today, we're going to talk about LinkedIn social selling and branding for everyone from CEO to account executive, SDR, and different people working in operational communication. Michael, uh, maybe you want to introduce yourself quickly uh, and just say what you're about and also what you do and how you come to be in this podcast about this topic. Excellent. Well, Raul, thank you very much for having me. I've been following you and Project A for quite a while now. You guys are doing some pretty amazing work. So thank you. I feel honored to, to, to be on this, on this podcast. So I help uh, anyone whose clients are on LinkedIn to start conversations with them, to attract them via interesting content, and uh, to do that all in a systematic way so that it's not just a haphazard exercise like many people do it, where it's just, you know, occasionally you post, you know, but no, to embed it in an actual system that gets you leads and clients in a predictable way. And the way I do it is via a course and a group coaching program. So it's not a done for you service. I really believe that it's important that you build your own uh, capabilities in this regard. And that is whether you're a startup, whether you're a solopreneur, even whether you're a, a corporate who wants to develop LinkedIn organic in-house, I think. It's really key to have those skills in-house, and then you can outsource some of those. But I teach people to develop these skills in-house. Very cool. And the reason I have Michael with me among a sea of so-called LinkedIn influencers is because I actually really enjoy his stuff. Uh, I think he's, he's got a very fresh approach, which has a no-nonsense quality to it that I highly enjoy. Um, but also he, he knows what he's talking about and his approach is getting people to inherently use the things. Uh, and, and, and that's what you just said. It's not about, um, you do things for them. Uh, you're not an outsourcing provider, but you make people understand and you coach them through the way. And, and this is something I highly appreciate, uh, when people are better off, uh, regardless of the results that they're getting, they're better off because they know more and they're able to do more things. And so my idea for, for this podcast and, and the idea we had together was, who's this actually for? Um, and, and as we discussed it, it came up that actually LinkedIn branding and, and social selling can be for anyone. This is not something that is just for a founder who wants to build a sexy story. This is not something that is just for, for a consultant or an entrepreneur who is doing his own thing and wants to get his brand out there. It can be a tool for anyone. And we're seeing much, much more... Uh, a, a, high, a higher emphasis nowadays uh, on social selling, on people trying to sell their B2B softwares on LinkedIn, uh, getting to their clients and screwing up again and again. And I would say this is one of the camps that this is for. The second one is all the people who are really annoyed by those LinkedIn messages, uh, but would like to do it better. And, and, and that are posting the worst messages that they find. Um, They're making fun of them. I think there are better ways to do things, and uh, so does Michael, and we'll talk about that. So, Michael, uh, maybe to get started, one thing we talked about already is that there is a lot of, I would say, misconceptions about LinkedIn and what you can and what you should do there and what is actually possible. 
So um, what are some of the things that you see coming up with founders, with account executives working in companies um, that limit them in their LinkedIn abilities? Mm. I think one principal problem that many people, especially when they are employed, are facing is that they want to be professional, right? And that is an issue that is, I think it plagues many people and restricts them from expressing themselves who they really are and let their personality shine. Now, I, when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that you need to be sharing whatever poems that you've written or that you share your childhood trauma. But to just to give you a small example, today I was tagging a couple of people in a post who from among people who were had been engaging on my post from the previous day. And I realized that there were two guys, one was called Philip White and the other one was Philip Brown. So I thought it was quite funny. And so I, below the tagging, I wrote, we are bullish on the colorful fills today, right? It's just a little tiny joke that I just inserted there. I didn't really think much about it. And then I got some likes on that particular comment. And it just goes to show that this kind of stuff is, it's kind of me. It's I'm kind of letting my personality shine. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge thing about me. You don't know me personally after you've read this. But I think it's a great example of how you can be, you know, normal, natural, friendly, and maybe even sometimes funny. And people are restricted because they are wearing the corporate hat, whether they are the CEO or an account executive. They feel restricted and they are being their corporate self and that's boring. So I think one of the common misconceptions is that you need to be very corporate and very professional on LinkedIn because that's not really what people are connecting with. The reason, and I really appreciate the, compl the compliment you gave me, that one of the reasons why you uh, like my content is because I'm really sharing what I believe. Sometimes it is bordering on the controversial. Sometimes I'm saying things that um, I'm just putting it out there and seeing what happens. And the great thing is because I am my own boss and running my company, I can say whatever I want. Now, of course, within the restrictions of, you know, what is politically correct to say in, in a few areas, I wouldn't probably tread on that just to for self-preservation purposes. But generally, as far as business is concerned, I'm completely speaking my mind. If I think that LinkedIn company pages are useless, I'm going to say that. And I think many people don't feel that freedom to be able to express themselves. So that would be my main thing. And I think especially this applies to companies in Germany. They're even more formal than uh, in the English-speaking world. So I would say that this is probably the number one thing to learn, to really strike a good balance of being a, a personable, normal human being and not being a corporate robot. And I think a great analogy to use in this context is the idea of a cocktail party. So when you enter, when you, when you join a cocktail party, what do you do? You, when you are an extrovert, if you're an introvert, you're just going to hide in the corner. But if you're a reasonably extroverted person, you just join groups of people. You just, you know, unobtrusively join a group. You listen a little bit. And then when there's a good moment, you just say something that's hopefully you know, smart, funny, adds value to the conversation. When you meet, when you see somebody who's standing alone at a counter, whatever, uh, at, the, at the tuna sandwiches, you strike up a conversation with them and you don't do it by forcing a brochure on them. You start a conversation, hey, I see you like those tuna sandwiches. How uh, 
Are you are you very much into fish finger food? Whatever, I don't know. But something that just strikes up a normal conversation that is not just salesy. You just explain a lot of my social failures in the past. I should have <laughs> left those brochures at home. You know, I had these made up with a nice picture of me, spent some money on them. I just brought them to parties and nothing worked out. And now, now I'm, I'm getting it, you know. Yeah. No, but I also remember that you were a, one hell of a sales guy. So I do know that you you absolutely understand your craft. But as far as your behavior on the, on the cocktail party is concerned, I have not experienced that. So I cannot comment on that. But I think that is a, I think it's a really good analogy. And I always use it because whenever somebody, and this is how I work with my clients, we have twice weekly calls and they show me their conversations that they've had with people on LinkedIn. And very often we come to a point where they say, okay, what do I do now? What do I say next? And I always say, imagine this would have happened at a cocktail party. What would you say then? And they say, oh, well, in that case, I would say blah, blah, blah. Perfect. Just say that. And it's like that, right? So it's a, you asked me about misconception. I have a bunch of them, but this was like a long introduction because I think that at the fundament, this is the, at the center of problems that people have when it comes to social selling on LinkedIn, this being, being a corporate robot and not being, yeah, not being personable enough to, so that people actually want to connect with you and want to follow your content. That would be number one. Yeah. And I think regardless of LinkedIn or social selling, this is just something that works in sales, in customer service, uh, fundraising, anything you'd be concerned with. Um, personality matters and people are looking for personality and I come from the investor side, but me personally, I don't work as an investor, but I know what we're doing there. And I know that we're looking for people in the first place, uh, even before processes, before uh, business models, we're looking for people uh, that we like and that we think are, are going to get the, the, the thing done. And one of the things you assess people on is their character and, and their abilities and what they say and, and how they are and who they are. And I think it's it's imperative to anything that connects to anybody else to let some character shine through. Now, and, and this is a second part, and I have an opinion about that that I'll share, but I, I would also like to know your thoughts about that. I think one part of, of being a person and having a character is also sharing opinions and sometimes also sharing opinions that are maybe not shared by others and, and voicing them and standing by them. And I, this is something I definitely don't see people do on LinkedIn. So they're, they're not very opinionated on I think this is what the sales process should be like. I think this is crap. I think we should do this. I think we should do that. Um, maybe to a small degree, but people have some strong beliefs that they don't really stand up for, uh, at least not enough. And I think this is another misconception that people think they should not polarize uh, opinions and, and have those discussions on LinkedIn. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Like I posted a... a a video yesterday that got, and it was a, yesterday was Sunday. It was one of my most popular posts in quite a long time. And the post was about how useless LinkedIn company pages are. And, you know, I, I may not know all the use cases in which people who have been successful with LinkedIn company pages. I just see generally that they perform worse. They have worse engagement. People don't really like to engage with logos. They want to engage with some something that has a face, you know, that has a human face. So that's my opinion. I think it's based in some fact. And I just put it out there. And then people engage with it. Partially, they've disagreed with, with me quite vehemently. You can see it on my, on my feed, right? It's there and it's received, I think, by now, we have some 40 comments on that or more. So it's just something that 
I may not make friends with everyone with this. And also there is a limit to it, how to how far you can go with your opinions. I definitely recommend my, sometimes one of my clients that has been politically quite conscious and I just suggested to him, it's just unnecessary polarization. What do you want to achieve? Do you want to be a political influencer or do you want to actually get business here, right? Because you will get yourself into a rabbit hole. So there is a limit to what I think is useful, not necessarily what is permissible. I'm, I'm a free speech absolutist. So whatever you say, you, you should be able to say. But I think it's just not useful to voice certain opinions. But exactly in that space that you address, the topic of business, for example, sales techniques that work, sales that doesn't work and so on. Yeah, absolutely. Go out there and share your opinion. And don't think you have to have all the scientific facts made. Don't, you don't have to know everything in the world. Every, don't think that you have to know every single thing in the world about that topic. It's just fine if you are well-informed, say it, and then via the comments that disagree with you, you will learn. It's also a great way to learn. I've learned a few things about LinkedIn company pages because of my post yesterday. So yeah. don't be afraid. That's something that I just do in general in life anyways, is I will often say things I don't even believe just because I want to see what people come up with and, and I want to see the, the other side. So many, many times I'll put the other person uh, in the position that I actually am in to, to see how they would argue the point that I actually, you know. So if I believe A and you believe B, I will actually uh, uh, state B and see what you say about A and see if, if that's actually a good argument. Uh, but that may be a little bit too far for LinkedIn. But what I also, and, and, and this is really how, how it goes in for, for me, is if you're claiming to be whatever, a customer service expert uh, or any kind of expert on LinkedIn, how are you ever going to build the notion that you're an expert without saying some things that make you stand out, that make it so that people understand that you understand the, the context of things, that you understand uh, things on a deeper level? If you're just saying what everybody else is saying, what is the use of you being there? Why would anyone pay you for what they already know? So if you want to be an expert, then show that you know something that maybe others don't know. And by default, something that others don't know will very often be controversial because they don't do that yet yeah absolutely and i think again think about a cocktail party who will you be most attracted to participating in a conversation with somebody who gives you a monologue about the uh, about customer service you know and what are the latest tools or somebody who tells you that shares a controversial opinion about how you need to um whatever, let all your customer service reps run free completely. There should be no metrics to track and they should just be doing whatever they think is right. You know, you're going to be attracted to that because, you say, wow, that's a different, that's a different angle. I want to, I don't want to know about this. Then I want to argue with him because I think that's nonsense. But hey, that's an interesting person because they're saying something that is a little bit out of the ordinary that have an opinion and especially, of course, has to be an informed opinion. But those are the people you're attracted to. But that's the one thing I would be wary of is being controversial just for being controversial sake. Because you do that a, a bunch of times. It works one, two, three times. But after a bunch of times, people will see that there's just a lot of air coming out of you and just a lot of talks. I don't think controversy itself is good or bad. Um, I think it should be used when, it's, when it should be there. And it should be embraced. Absolutely. Absolutely, I agree. And just after these occasional controversial posts that I make, the posts that are the most successful with my target audience are those where I provide really very specific advice. Like the other day, I had a post where I shared 
which kind of client interactions have triggered which content posts from me. I think it's really key that your content is based on real client interactions. And then you've kind of, I showed, I described each client interaction and then how that influenced my content. That was so popular because people love that kind of making a clear connection and to be shown a specific example. So really specific hands-on advice is probably the second most popular stuff uh, for me on LinkedIn. And I agree, the controversy needs to be kept to, you know, it's like the occasional uh, bit of spice that adds up the entire dish. It should not be the main dish. I agree with you. Michael, you just started with something um, that is also something I appreciate about you, which is that you, you're you fluent in different levels of conversation. What I mean by that is um, a lot of the things you talk about are quite high level, such as what we just did right now. You could even call that a fluffy talk to some extent. But you also talk a lot about very specific things. And so you move a lot between different levels of conversation. And I think that's where it really clicks for people and where people really connect things. So I would like to move a level deeper and, and go to your approach to LinkedIn. And I know you've talked to me about that. Um, and I would like also you to elaborate a bit on that beyond that. Uh, what is your coherent approach to how you should be building your brand on LinkedIn and how you should be profiting out of that? Mm. So the, the, the framework that we take our clients through is the following. So first of all, you have to have a really good positioning, meaning you know what you stand for, you know what your value proposition is, you can clearly say who you are not for and what is exactly the value that you're going to bring to people. And that needs to be in your about section on LinkedIn. That is the place where you actually sell your service, right? Where you sell as a product, whatever you do. And that can be, even if you're an account executive and it's not your company, you should say what you as a person, what kind of value you are adding to them. I see so many people who just state their job title and then they talk about the company in the about section. No, this is about you and the value you bring specifically. And that is part of the entire positioning exercise. It's not trivial. And we end up spending quite a bit of time with our clients on that particular topic because really finding out what is the actual pain point and the problems that you are solving for your clients. So we usually spend quite a bit of time on that. And then it's all about putting out really valuable content, should be all original, should not be something that you just share from other sources and provide your commentary on it. It's a common mistake that I see people make. You will never build your brand on curating others' content. That's like 20 years old. It just won't happen. It's instead really about your original thought and don't try to take people off the platform. Just don't put links into your posts. LinkedIn will also stifle the, they will limit the organic reach of that. A very important point, especially in the beginning when you don't have much of an audience, is commenting on other people's uh, content. That will get you friends. People will really like that. And please don't uh, just say great post or that's so valuable, right? This, I see that many, many times. And sometimes I even feel a little bit like upset when somebody places that content, that comment on my content, because then it's always this relatively shallow game of, well, thank you, you know, and that's it. You know, you haven't really added value to the topic. But of course, I'm, I'm glad when somebody is so happy with my content that they say that. I don't want to feel ungrateful. But the best way to really build quality relationships is by 
placing really thoughtful, interesting comments. They should always be supportive, but also add a little bit of a different angle to it. And if you do that regularly, and if you put that in your schedule, okay, now half an hour a day, I'm doing engaging on other people's content. I'm spending, let's say, half an hour to an hour a day creating original content. And I'm now talking for, you know, a solopreneur or somebody who really wants to build that brand. I can imagine that an account executive will not spend that kind of time on LinkedIn. I'm just saying, this is what I take my clients through, which are generally small B2B CEOs and solopreneurs. And then, crucially, and very few people do that, is actually starting one-on-one conversations with the aim of finding out if they have a problem that you can help them with. And this is like, you really need to get into a very narrow Goldilocks zone here. There's the people on one extreme who are, I call them the pitch slappers. You know, whenever, as soon as they add you, then they give you the the pitch slap and everybody rolls their eyes and moves on or defriends them if the pitch slap is egregious enough. And on the other hand of the bell curve are those people who want to waste your time with virtual coffees. Now, if you enter an industry and you really want to get to know people, fine, okay, do some virtual coffees. I think there's much better ways to network. And... You know, it's just a personal pet peeve of mine. Whenever somebody suggests a virtual coffee to me, I just, I need to keep myself from slapping them. But, uh, and that's the other extreme. And so the Goldilocks zone that I teach my clients to go into is to be perfectly friendly, personable, not salesy upfront. You compliment them on something that they've posted recently, or you say something. Uh, the other day I saw, um, yeah, one client of mine saw a guy uh, who they didn't know how to start a conversation with. And the guy was wearing like some pretty cool um, sunglasses on the on his picture. So I said, well, why don't you just say, hey, those are cool shades that you're rocking, John, right? And that just starts a conversation, you know? It won't get you the sale, but at least you get into a conversation. Again, just like at a cocktail party. That's what you would say at a cocktail party. Wow, those are cool sunglasses, John. Boom, you got it. Yeah, you, you start a conversation. But then not to stay in this rapport building land and to uh, then continue the conversation in an exploratory way. Hey, so I see you're doing X, Y, Z. How's it going? Have you had any challenges finding new clients in the pandemic? Right. And that would be, for example, something that I would say, uh, possibly if I cannot think of something more original. Right. And so this is how you then proceed a conversation. And sometimes people then stop engaging. That's fine because they have then selected themselves out they are not in the market for me. I'd rather have that than then they continue the conversation and then at the end of it, there's no, no follow-up. So that's what I teach, kind of having those kind of conversation outbound. And this is something that you will have to do, especially when you're at the beginning of your business, right? Once you have a bit of an audience, it's going to get more and more easy. It's going to, be, it's going to get easier to get people via content and inbound but especially as you're starting out, if you don't have much of an audience, if you've been neglecting LinkedIn, your best bet to get the first leads and clients is via outbound, starting conversations with relevant people. And then, and then that's the kind of rounds it off. Then we teach the methodology to convert them into clients on sales calls. Many people, especially when they are in the in the solopreneur, when they are experts in what they do, they don't have much experience in sales, and we remove their fear you know from from the process yeah yeah i think that's probably hopefully less of a problem of our audience um one thought that i had and some one thing that i see uh working well from time to time um 
and actually the better freelancers and consultants that have contacted me have done sort of that thing is you're trying to contact a company or the CEO of a company or you're a freelance designer and you're, you're contacting their head of design is looking through their job page and seeing what they're hiring for. And, and many times you will see they're hiring for a VP sales. They are expanding their sales team. They're expanding their sales team to a new region. They are uh, trying to find new programming languages um, with, with the people they're hiring. And, and oftentimes, because it's, it's difficult to understand the strategic needs of a company just by looking at their website, it's almost impossible. Um, this is how you find out. And this is something that is, is not a lot of work and goes very fast, as opposed to, well, okay, I might have to find a, a podcast by the founder or a blog article, read through that. That takes me half an hour. If I'm lucky, I find a tidbit of strategic misconception that I can talk to them about. But it's much easier sometimes to say, hey, uh, you're hiring people in, in uh, France. Um, how's that going? Do you need someone to advise you on the expansion to France? And, and there are many things like that where you can make your life so much easier than just, as you're saying, pitch slapping people. Mm, absolutely. And I think that's such a great idea. And I'm going definitely going to include that in my in my sources of information about people. That's great. And this is why LinkedIn is so particularly good. It's far superior to Facebook in this regard, because there's just so much information about people. You can see where they went to school. You can see which other employers they had. You can see uh, people who recommended them and so on. There's just so much information about them, especially if they post content. So there is absolutely no excuse if you want to build high quality relationships. And especially if you have a product or service that sells for a significant amount so you can afford the building of the custom relationships of the one-on-one -on -one quality relationships there's no excuse to pitch slap it's just such a wrong thing to do and it's just going to yeah at volume it's going to get you clients but at the cost of 99 of your target audience hating you and that's what nobody takes into account. It's fascinating. You can see, well, it's working for me. I'm pitch slapping. And it's like every day I'm, I'm slapping 100 people and I'm getting a client every, every third day. Yeah, but just look at the relationships you're building with all the others. They hate you. Justifiably. So it's just not a good, it's not a good idea if you want to be in business for the long run. And there's also probably ways to do this with less work than 100 messages. Um, depending on what you make them, that, that's a lot of work. Yeah, but you could automate that. That's why I said, depending on how personalized you make it. And I actually, I don't really believe in automating this kind of thing, um, but I guess you could make it highly automated and, and, and not put in a lot of work. That's possible. So maybe to sum it up, and I, I think that's a, it's a very coherent approach that is actually as simple as it sounds, a bit different from what people are actually doing. It's engage with people on LinkedIn. Uh, so look for people who are talking about what you're what you're knowledgeable about and maybe what you're interested in. Talk to them about that and, and leave quality content wherever you go. So there's a trail of actually like that analogy. There's a trail of quality breadcrumbs behind you so they can find your gingerbread house. They can find you. And yeah, it's not the best analogy because there's the witch who's going to eat you. So <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. We'll work on that. <laughs> this is actually how I found people many times. So I'm reading something from someone I know, a friend or something. One guy posts uh, some, some, some interesting comment. There's another woman posting another interesting comment. I'll look those two people up and that's how I find out about them. And if their bio is interesting, which is the second pillar you talked about, and if I understand what they're about, I might add them. 
and maybe they'll write me or maybe I'll write them and maybe nothing comes out of it. But this is um, those those breadcrumbs, actually, that, that's where I find people, at least. And maybe that's what you should be leaving out there. So, I love it. It's such a great analogy. I love that. I'm going to keep using it. The, the quality trail of breadcrumbs. Love it. Great. Great. So we, we, we got something out of there. Um, so maybe maybe let's become a bit more concrete and, and maybe you can use some examples of, of how people have actually implemented that. And, and maybe some things that are great stories or some, some, some no-goes or some flops. Um, how, how do you actually go about this? So how do you make it work? Maybe also relating to the time you have to spend on that. And, and what can you expect to happen when you try this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can tell you how I got one of my most recent clients. I think that's, that's, it's a good example of how these things come about. So we started we connected probably seven months ago and he only became a client this month. We connected seven months ago and uh, I really liked his content. He had really fun, uh, clever content that always kind of elicited a smile and I liked it and so on. And we started uh, talking. And then at some point I saw that he posted about a competitor of mine saying how incredibly smart he was and uh, that he's looking forward to be working with him. And so I thought, ah, damn it, okay, so that's he's not going to work with me. That's that's a pity. But because I still, I like the guy, and so I just continued the conversation. And at some point, because he liked my content so much, he started, and you will, over time, as you develop your own voice, you will develop fans. I actually have a few. It seems a little bit presumptuous to call it that. But I have a few people who almost reliably, whenever I put something out, they engage with it they like it and it's not that i'm i'm not part of a pod i'm i don't know if your audience knows what that is a pod is a really bad habit that people have on linkedin is to form a group 20 30 people who then when you whenever you put something out they like it and comment on it and it's always a thing people and it's just artificially tries to boost you i personally don't like it for many reasons we're not going to get into that so whenever you see someone who posts a content, it's not particularly interesting, but they, they have like 80 comments on it and people say things like, oh, great post, so much value and so on. You can be 100% sure that they are in a pod, you know, and it's just like zombie interactions. Terrible. It's like validation echo chamber. Validation echo chamber and just very artificially uh, boosted, uh, boosted interactions. Just not fun. Anyway, and it feels like almost as if I had my own organically grown pod, right? With people who just engage in my content. Anyway, and he was one of them. He reliably started like my stuff. And over time, he said, dude, we probably have to talk. And so I, sure, anytime. And that was probably, I think, in November. So in December, we finally talked. And at the time, he told me that he actually wasn't working with that competitor of mine. He just had a sales call. The competitor was, for whichever reason, he chose not to work with him, and he was essentially still on the market, right? And so I um, I agreed for a longer sales call with him that was done in January, and since then he's become a client, and he's very happy so far. So you see how uh, long-term, you just start a conversation. He was one of the people I added in a one-on-one way, started a conversation. It didn't go anywhere, but we, we remained kind of uh, friendly and how something like this can develop into a into a very good relationship and at, even now at this point this is kind of like the funny ending to it we over another linkedin thread common thread we he mentioned that he's a musician used to be a musician and he recorded an album which is actually really good you know for somebody not be doing that professionally 
I really liked it. What's happening now? I'm launching my podcast on Wednesday. And I thought, hey, I need some music for this. I'm going to use one of his songs. And so now we're kind of from nothing. He's in South Africa, by the way, right? So it's like I never would have found this guy if it hadn't been for a for a personable, non-salesy, yet still goal-oriented approach to my networking, if you want to call it that. So I think that's a great example of how you can actually take these recipes in abstract. You start a conversation. First of all, you have good positioning and a good profile. He complimented me also on my profile. It's very clear. Exactly, I know what you offer. I know who is it not for. I know it's for me. And so by this combination of having good positioning and good profile, starting friendly, non-salesy conversations, while also exploring if there could be a need, at the time there was not a need, then I just kept nurturing that relationship with quality original content. He also told me, dude, I can tell that your your videos have been a step up in quality recently. So that's great, right? I kind of tell... I can tell that he appreciates that. Boom, we get on a call. A month later, he's a client. Right. So I think that's a good example of how you can actually concretely see this framework implemented. And one takeaway from there could also be that you said you added him seven months ago or something. Yeah. And that this is a game of, you could call it a funnel. You could, you could say that you need patience, but um, it might help to think of it as a funnel where you just put things in and then you nurture them. And after a while, things come out. Sometimes you can't immediately drive them towards a goal. So in that case, it's not exactly like a funnel, but um, helpful things will come out, uh, including projects, um, including customers, uh, but also just including reach uh, or connections to other people. Um, but you have to work on it and you don't immediately feel the results. And I think this is where it might be a bit difficult to grasp for people working in a company um, and, and, and where they might not be ready or seeing the, the value yet. So it is about, I think, and that's why I also asked that question, because I think you have to break through that, that barrier of understanding that not everything has to immediately pay off uh, for, for it to be worth it in the long run. I, yes, I agree. But honestly, Raul, I think the reality is more complex than that, because I sometimes hear that, that people say, well, it's going to take forever to get something, you know, this kind of organic growth is unpredictable and so on. And I get it. And I think this is frankly what I see some of my competitors doing who are only emphasizing content because content is, of course, it's a, it's a long-term game, right? You should ideally not expect much when you are doing this for three months, you know, maybe something will come up to six months and so on. But that's why we do outbound as a counter example to what I shared in, when was this? I think in October, I just started the conversation with someone. It was, that didn't took even didn't take even five minutes. I started it and I kind of explored whether there could be a, a need. We went on the phone the next day, quick 15 minute orientation call. We then went on, two days later, we went on a longer call, paid then and there and enrolled. Okay. So that's why you do outbound because if you do it often enough, there's a pre almost a predictable number that you can expect. If you start, I know that if I start 120 conversations, that's my number. If I start 120 conversations, that's over the last eight months, I know I'm going to get one client. Okay. And so, so that's, I like the predictability of that. Yeah. I mean, it's of course not, it doesn't apply. If I from today start 120, maybe I'm going to get two, maybe I'm going to get zero. But I know that in the long run, it works out. And I also see that I'm getting better. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing an improvement in, in my outbound. So 
yes, you're correct that it is a, first of all, yes, it is a funnel, definitely. And the more you can systematize it and you have a bit of an algorithm in your head that you say, okay, this person is not in the market now, but might be later. Let's make sure that I comment on his stuff every other week, for example, just to stay in his orbit. And then others, I classify them differently and so on. And I'm just going to continue the work like this. And this is a funnel. The more you can systematize it, the better. However, there are also very clear transactional experiences that you can have. If you start 120 conversations, you're going to get a client. So I do slightly disagree with this idea that, yes, you have to invest for the long run. That is true. But if you play your cards right, you can get clients instantly. Okay, so uh, let's talk instantly. Um, so we, we've heard some, I would say, high-level thoughts about this, some, some misconceptions. We've talked about um, how to implement things and, and to actually go out and reach out to people and interact with people and build your brand at the same time. And, and let's, let, me, let me go very concrete now. Uh, and, and to the people listening to that, maybe saying, hey, actually, I could try that. What should we do now? And I'll give you, I'll give you a scenario, um, and, and you can maybe help translate this into action. So let's say you're actually an account executive at a company and you've been talking a lot about personal brand building, of course, and, and building your brand and, and reaching out to people. How do you convert that personal brand into sales for your product? Because maybe you're selling software as a service. That's number one. How do you, how do you make this more concrete? And then second, what should you start with? So you're motivated now. You want to go out and, and pimp up your LinkedIn channel. What should you be doing? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. So number one, be really clear on who is your target audience. Who is the persona you want to get? Who is the decision maker? Then think about what are their problems and pain points that you are solving for them. And really make that specific, concrete, and make it to not just what the company wants. Like It's the company, for example, the company needs to engage better with their engage their employees in a better way. That's the software you're selling. But that is not the pain point that your target audience is actually experiencing. For example, HR directors. Really make it concrete and think the HR director, it's for, for him or her, the problem is really more specific. It is, for example, churn. They experience a lot of employee turnover or they experience the fact that the employees are not staying longer hours, that they kind of are doing... Uh, kind of punching the clock, for example. Those are their problems. Not generally, oh, yeah, they, employees are not engaged. What does that mean? Right? Make it really specific and then put that into your about section. By the way, I invite everyone who's listening, just go to my LinkedIn profile, copy my about section, and then make it yours, you know, with the, exactly the kind of same high-level bullet points, who I help, I can help you if this is my solution, these are... These are my, you know, this is my special sauce and so on. It really, and I've worked on this quite a bit, so you can just steal it and steal the structure. You'll need to have a different intro story, but that's it, right? So have that. Clear positioning on what you do, clarity about your target audience persona, and then optimize your profile accordingly. Please also have a professional picture, a professional headshot, and a background image that ideally, if you can have an image where you are talking on stage, that's the best. But other than that, just something that conveys the mood of your personality, beautiful landscape, some urban landscape, whatever, something like that. Don't be too salesy in the background image. So that's step number one. 
And this is, I hope, is concrete enough so that people can actually implement that. Step number two, where do you start? Make it a habit of putting out valuable content. Uh, and what do I mean with valuable content? The by far best recipe that I've uh, uncovered is that you take a note of what are your clients, the decision makers, or anyone who's benefiting from your product, what are they wrong about? One idea for a good example was the other day I was talking to a client who said that he feels like he has to convince his clients of that he's right. He has a bit of an unorthodox view and he says, it's always a fight with my prospective clients. I always need to convince them of something. I think that is a misconception. And so I wrote about that. Instead of trying to convince 90% of the market who don't agree with you, just focus on those who already agree. And for him, that was like a big epiphany. And we're now working on that. And he said that was like a major breakthrough for him. So that is a great piece of content because I can imagine if he's struggling with that, many others will too. So here's my suggestion to the hypothetical account executive you mentioned. You speak to clients all the time. Think about the top five things that you, in the last three weeks, you've talked to them about where they were wrong about something, where they were struggling with something. And you can actually not just share your opinion on something. Oh, it's wrong to do blah, blah, blah. No, if they struggle with something, then explain to them how it actually works. That is your step number one in terms of your daily routine and make sure that you have this in your calendar. I don't know how much time you can dedicate to this. If it's once a week, do it once a week. The more, the better for LinkedIn. I'm posting three times a day now, okay? I know this is not doable for many people. That's fine. Do it three times a week but make it consistently. Don't have a one month break. Seriously. Like if you cannot keep it up, then just, you know, don't bother, honestly. Because this needs to kind of become part of your lifestyle. This needs to be part of who you are, that you are sharing valuable stuff about your work. You know, it's just like you would go in the olden days, you went to networking events just to keep things fresh. Now you're posting on LinkedIn. So that's step number two. Step number three, add new people into your network. Whenever you see someone who is saying something interesting, add them, compliment them on what they said. And ideally, they would be your decision maker so that over time you can engage with them. And that's it. I hope that's concrete enough. Is it? Very concrete. Very concrete. And I, and I think to me, the, the importance here was also highlighting how this can help a lot of different people, right? Different scenarios with different goals you could say you can you can sell a product this way you can uh, show off that your company is very good at something that maybe um, you want to do employer branding maybe you're trying to show off that your company is handling corona great and and uh, you want to show how your home office uh, uh, environment is actually good for people and how you're you're helping people be productive and that could help attract talents and and i've seen many people in the last year of course people are sitting at home they're having more time finding niches um, but maybe not working them very well yet or maybe not perfectly describing them yet and i think that if you're doing a bit of work and translating this into actual i would say labor then things can come out of that for you and that's actually something i'm trying to work on too because i think there are a lot of things that we know that that i know that that should be out there and that we're not doing a great job yet of getting out there also in the in, in this sales department um and and it's just a matter of finding that voice and voicing that correctly. And then you can do a lot of things with that. And you, you people there, there's influencers coming up in all kinds of areas and they're having success, right? There's people making, helping you lose weight. 
there's people and, and lots of them, by the way, <laughs> uh, maybe it's just because of my high profile picture. Um, there's, there's all kinds of people going out there and finding niches and are actually having success with it that you wouldn't think at, at, at first. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I also think that, um, information wants to be free. It's a little bit of a poetic way to say it, but I think many people are faced with the uh, hypothetical problem of, yeah, well, if I'm sharing all this stuff, then do I still have something to sell? And I realize that the more you are willing to share even your best kept secrets about how to, in your case, for example, how to run a great sales team and so on, the more you can stomach sharing this kind of stuff, and I know that you, Raul, you 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 are a master at, at this, of like managing a sales team and and running, managing by numbers and all of that. You were actually one of the main reasons why I decided to join that company uh, where we were working together. So I, I really think that you have a ton of value to add. It's just that this stuff needs to get out there packaged in a way that your audience will, will like. And I, I just honestly think that if you just talked about these things, the way you talked to me about when you were interviewing me for my position then you're going to just do outstanding on LinkedIn because that stuff is great. And I don't think that anyone who listens to this can instantly just do whatever you're doing. It's like you're offering a tidbit, you're showing some part of your expertise, and then people will just be impressed with you and they know who to go to should they need someone like that. So it's not like you are, you know, just hearing an expert talk doesn't make you an expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff, Michael. Uh, there's there's a bunch of more things uh, I would like to talk to you about. Maybe we could actually go through my profile at some point, and 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 you could you could give some ad hoc review on that. Actually, there's not much in there. There's just a very short about me line. Um, but I like that we made it practical. Practical. Um, this is important to me, uh, and and I think this is also what makes it accessible to uh, several different people. And and I know that this is something I'm going to try this year, and, and I'll see what happens with it. I hope good things. Um, I'll try to keep it also manageable, of course, with time, because there's lots of different things you could do and, and some plans I have for this year. Um, but I think I think it's possible. And, and, and I don't know what to expect to come out of it yet. Um, also, because, of course, my case is a bit different. We're on the investor side. Um, but I think there's things that need to get out there. And, and that's a good way of saying that. Yeah, I mean, I do. I would recommend that you really know what you want to get out of it. I think uh, it's if. In, in your position, if you don't have it really clear yet, I would say become clear about that first because it can also, it is time intensive. And if you don't really know what purpose you're pursuing, then you'll also not keep it up because your brain will tell you, why the hell are we bothering, right? So then you won't keep the consistency. So be clear about what you want to get out of it. You're going to have much more fun. I will, I will. Michael, uh, we're, we're, ending, we're, we're short with time now and we're, we're closing in on the end now. Um, maybe a couple last words from you. Where can people find you if they want to reach out to you or if they want to check out that sweet profile description of yours? Yeah, yeah, they should just go on LinkedIn. My name is Michael Bohanes. Michael without an E, M-I-C-H-A-L, Bohanes, B-O-H-A-N-E-S, but it's going to be in the description of the podcast. Just look at my profile and connect with me, say hi. And uh, yeah, I'm also, I'm launching a podcast on Wednesday, first episode, where I'm going to be answering any questions you may have. So if there's any questions that we didn't cover today, the podcast will be always on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central European time. Only difference being this Wednesday, it's going to be at 10 a.m. because I have a guest in Australia who's participating. But other than that, Wednesday, 7 p.m., join the podcast. You can 
find more information about it on stateofclientacquisition.com. One word, stateofclientacquisition.com. You can sign up to get alerts and I'd love to, to hear from you. That's just another way of me helping the community become better on LinkedIn. Great stuff. Michael, thank you very much. Uh, maybe there will be a follow-up to that. Let's see uh, if there are some more things to talk about. Um, other than that, uh, thanks, for, thanks for being on here. Uh, it was a pleasure. I think we went through a lot of uh, good stuff and I hope it was interesting to people. Thanks so much, Rob. Really appreciate it. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating. Thanks, guys.